Welcome to Double Happiness Multiplied with Sally Barker, the complete guide to enjoying your multiple pregnancy and building a happy, healthy family life. Welcome to Season 1 of Double Happiness Multiplied. I'm Sally Barker. Coming up on Episode 1, Part 1, we're going to get clear on what type of multiple you're carrying and what that means for your pregnancy. We'll hear from Maternal Fetal Medicine Specialist Associate Professor Craig Pennell, who clears up some of the misconceptions surrounding whether your babies are identical or not, and how oftentimes your sonographer or obstetrician might give you a misdiagnosis. Rebecca Perry shares her story of going through her twin pregnancy thinking she was carrying fraternal or non-identical twins, to find out later on that her girls are in fact identical. Jodie Wirren tells us about her journey with one of the rarest types of multiples, monochorionic, monoamniotic twins, or MOMOs. Hypnobirthing practitioner and birthing doula Elise Jamison tells us how when she found out she was expecting fraternal twins, she was determined to learn everything she could in order to make confident decisions that were specific to her situation. And I'll share my story about the shock of learning that I was carrying identical twins and that there were serious complications. On part two of this episode, we'll focus on higher order multiples. Laura Sarubin shares her journey with triplets and Janelle Snadden takes us through her IVF journey that resulted in quadruplets. By the end of episode one, you'll be quite familiar with terms like zygosity, coronicity and placentation, so you'll be full of all the knowledge you'll need to be proactive when attending your medical appointments. Everyone is fascinated by multiple pregnancies. Scientists and even non-scientists share this wonderment. But how common is it? Well, around one in every 89 live births is a twin. For triplets, it's one in every 7,900. And for quadruplets, one in every 705,000 live births result in four babies being delivered. Maternal fetal medicine specialist, Associate Professor Craig Pennell, is a multiple births expert. He explains the different types of multiples and how it requires significant skill in diagnosing certain types. The best opening comment about the types of multiples is that it's extremely confusing. And if you look up on the web to look at the different types of multiple pregnancies, I think everyone gets confused and even doctors get confused. So most people when you look at the types of twins, talk about fraternal twins and non-fraternal twins. Now, even I had to look up exactly what fraternal meant, and mm. I think the best way to describe it is a brotherhood or like brothers, and so the way I think about it is like a fraternity, which is where a group of people all live in the same place, but they're not identical. And so fraternal twins are non-identical and they are doing nothing more than sharing the same uterus and they, are, they have the same genetic similarities as brother and sister or a brother and a brother from two separate pregnancies. So non-fraternal twins are identical. Now, if you are a fertility specialist, then you would talk about eggs and sperm. And so you then have dizygotic twins, which means di as in two, so two zygotes, and zygotes are fertilised eggs. So these are twins that start from two fertilised eggs being transferred or from two, two eggs being fertilised and then having a spontaneous conception. And then there are monozygotic twins, which is where one egg 
is fertilised by one sperm and then that divides at some stage in the first two weeks after it has been generated and the timing of when that splits will determine the type of placenta that you get. And the way that your doctor or midwife or sonographer will talk about your twins is solely dependent on the placenta and what the placenta looks like on ultrasound. And that, that is using the word chorionicity, which basically means placentation. And so a monochorionic twin pregnancy has one placenta and a dichorionic twin pregnancy has two placentas. Now, despite the fact that that all sounds relatively straightforward, you can have, for example, a monozygotic pregnancy. So one sperm fertilizes one egg, it then makes one embryo, but that splits very early. And then you can then end up with a dichorionic twin pregnancy, so two sets of everything. So unfortunately, the only part of these three different labeling systems that you can guarantee is correct is that non-fraternal twins are monozygotic, but the type of monozygotic twins is dependent on when the early embryo splits. So if you have twins of different gender, which you can see on ultrasound certainly at 18 weeks and sometimes as early as 12 weeks, and the gender is different, then it's very easy. They are always dizygotic, so one egg with one sperm and then another completely separate egg and another one, so two of everything, and so therefore they're fraternal or um, dichorionic, which means two chorions, and then diamniotic, which means two amnions. So around a baby there are the fetal membranes, and so the one easiest way to remember about the membranes around a baby is the order of the alphabet. So the baby's in a sac, the first membrane is the amnion, as in the first letter, the next membrane is the chorion, which is the second membrane, and then that goes up against the decidua, which is the lining of a pregnant uterus. And so you can have two internal sacs, so to be diamniotic, and that can be within one external sac, so that it be monochorionic, diamniotic, which is um, one of the types of identical twins. So different genders, it's easy. If you have a placenta on the front wall and a placenta on the back wall and they're completely not in contact with each other and they are um, different genders, then again it is similar. If they are of the same gender, then they are probably dizygotic and they would be, by definition of what you can see with the two placentas, dichorionic, diamniotic, two of everything. But if you have one egg and one sperm and one embryo and that splits very early, very, very early, then you can get two of everything. And that can actually happen so early it's still in the tube or, or just as the embryo enters the uterus and so therefore you can get two different implantation sites. Right, so when you're saying very, very early, what are mm -hmm. we talking about here? So if you look at the times from... Um, fertilization until a blastocyst and everyone who has gone through the IVF process will have a good idea of this blastocysts are usually formed by about day four and so a day five transfer is a blastocyst transfer so if you have your 
um, monozygotic. Um, so you're one egg, one sperm, early embryo, and it splits before the end of day three, maybe very early day four, then you'll get two sets of everything. Whereas when you start splitting between day five and day eight, which is when the blastocyst has started to implant, you end up with one placenta and then depending on whether it's day four, day five, day six, day seven, day eight, will determine whether or not you get two sets of membranes or not. So when you say two sets of, of everything very, very early on, does that include the placenta? Yes, yeah, so two completely separate placentas. Mm-hmm. And so you can have dichorionic twins mm-hmm. where some are identical and where some aren't identical. So that's where you can have a, a woman could be going through her pregnancy thinking she's having fraternal twins because they've she's got, got two of everything. She's got two of everything. But then if testing's done later on, they can turn out to be identical. That's right. And that's mm-hmm. just because their single, their early embryo has split very early. Mm, because there is a, a lot of discussion discussion around that. Yes. So really the only way you can be 100% sure that they're not identical in utero is if they are of different gender. And if you have one placenta and the way that the membrane inserts into the placenta, which can be detected on ultrasound in the first trimester, the first third of pregnancy, if that looks like a T, so it's called the T sign, then you can be very sure that they are monochorionic, which means one placenta, and therefore they will be identical. Rebecca Perry is a fraternal twin. So when she was told she was expecting twins and they were also fraternal, she didn't question the diagnosis. It wasn't until after they were born she started asking questions. Complete shock. And you wouldn't think it would be because I'm a twin myself, but it was an absolute complete shock. I was not expecting it at all. hadn't fathomed the idea of that at all, but saw the two little blobs on the screen and went, oh, I think that might be two of them. <laughs> and um, and from then on, I think I, I struggled to, um, to accept it for a while, even after they were born. But um, pregnancy was interesting. Following on from having a singleton, I got very, very big and they were very, very big twins as twins go, and it was a hard, hard yards. I don't remember not sleeping a lot for the last three months of the pregnancy, but well worth it in the end, as we all know. There was no doubt in their mind. Um, that was all the sonographers and the midwives looking at the scans. They told us that all along they would be fraternal twins. Even at the 19-week scan, we wanted to find out what they were. So they sort of did a da-da-da, announcing the first one is a girl, and then we sort of fingers crossed for a boy because we don't have one um and they said okay let's have a look here okay yes the second one is a girl never once was it considered that they were identical twins so we were very shocked at the birth when the pediatrician said to me I would put my house on that those two are identical twins (laughs) and I said oh no we've been told all along they are fraternal twins he said no look looking at them and their birth weights I would say you probably want to have a DNA test about that one and we went and got the DNA test and and sure enough they're identical twins so you had two placentas, mm-hmm. two amniotic sacs. Yep. Where were your placentas lying? Uh, I had one on the front and one on the back. So it was very difficult to feel which twin was which. I just didn't have a uh, any sort of identifying 
factors as to who was where and I had elbows here, knees there, heads there, bums here. I had no idea where either twin was. I didn't feel a lot. So I I assumed that was because one was posterior and one was anterior in terms of the placenta. So I didn't know who was where. I just assumed they were just a a bundle of legs and arms and heads and, and, and couldn't make head nor tail of it, pardon the pun. The rate of identical twins is fixed across the world at one in every 285 pregnancies. Of those, just 1% are the rarest type, which are monochorionic monoamniotic, or as they're commonly referred to, momos. Now, Jodie Wirren was just seven weeks pregnant when she was told she was expecting twins, and that because of the type of twins she was carrying, the road ahead wasn't going to be smooth. We got the ultrasound and they said, oh, yes, there's two there. And we went, ah, okay. So it wasn't particularly surprising. I suppose we'd sort of almost expected it. It was really weird. But what we didn't expect is for the ultrasound technician to peer in closer to the ultrasound and really squint and look at that screen even more. And then she ran out, didn't say anything, just ran out. Then someone else came in and they looked and they went, ooh. And that's when we sort of went, "Uh uh-oh, we've got some trouble here. And they didn't say a lot. They said, oh, they're very close. They're very close. And they kept repeating that. So they finished up. They didn't say a lot. And I said, we'll wait for the report, thank you. So Chris and I were waiting for the report and uh, we opened it up and the words just resonate with me forever. Monochorionic, monoamniotic twins, viable pregnancy, a strong suspicion of being conjoined at the thoracis. We went back to our GP, he rang the MFM and we got a referral to go in to see them and that was at 13 weeks. So we got to that ultrasound and the specialist said, well, I don't think they're conjoined, but they are monochoronic, monoamniotic, which means you've got a bit of a road. We went back at about 20 weeks and had another ultrasound and the babies were still alive. And he said, well, let's keep going to get to viability, so 24 weeks. So we got to 24 weeks and we were still progressing. At 26 weeks, I was going to the hospital three times a week in order to check that they were still alive, and they were. I went into hospital to have inpatient care at 28 weeks. My husband took three months off of work so he could look after our two-year-old daughter. We got to about 32 weeks and then I started having a little bit of early signs of labour, a few contractions. So we slowed that down and we got to our planned due date of 32 weeks and three days and the babies were born and they were born alive. And yes, the cords were knotted and tangled, but there was no compression. The babies were great weights. They spent four days in NICU And then they went into open cots in the um, Skaboo unit for another just over three weeks. So we were actually home four weeks after they were born. When I think about the early stages of my twin pregnancy, I'm amazed that I had no idea I was pregnant. I was dreadfully sick for weeks and my GP had performed a raft of blood tests, including one for pregnancy. However, in his opinion, those extra hormones that indicate pregnancy weren't really high enough to suspect anything. In the end, he decided I had an ulcer that was causing the sickness, dizziness and episodes of near fainting. So by the time I grabbed a cheap pharmacy test that very quickly showed those strong double lines, I was almost 11 weeks along. Before I knew it, I was booked in to see an obstetrician who conducted an ultrasound in his office. 
I'll always remember his smile when he said, well, there's only one. I lay there thinking, well, what do you expect? A week later, I lay on that same bed, the same office, having another scan. And this time, that obstetrician had something different to say. Do twins run in your family? Well, I won't repeat the reaction from my partner, but for some strange reason, I just started laughing. Just two weeks earlier, I thought I'd never have children, to then thinking I was having one baby, to now being told I was carrying two. Crazy. So the next step was to have an ultrasound by an actual imaging expert. The sonographer spent a very long time trying to find this thing called a membrane. It meant absolutely nothing to me at the time, but I could sense that a lack of one was a concern. That sonographer suggested I get a referral to have another scan in two weeks' time at the nearby tertiary hospital because they had a specialised high-risk pregnancy team. Still, I had no concept why this was important. My obstetrician wasn't happy with me for asking and assured me that everything was fine, but my instinct kicked in and I insisted. During the first scan at the hospital, they still couldn't find the membrane, but after some close scrutiny of the images, a faint line was found, which meant my twins were monochorionic, diamniotic. So by now, I'm about 14 weeks pregnant and I know I'm having identical twins. You know, I think I was in shock or just disbelief because I really didn't understand the complexity of the situation. I always thought you fell pregnant with one baby, nine months later the baby's born and all's well. But at just 20 weeks gestation following another scan, I was asked to wait in a small room for a moment while the sonographer checked the scan. She came back in not long after with a very serious looking chap who introduced himself as one of the professors on the gold team. Now I soon found out that this gold team manages high risk pregnancies. He was very firm but gentle when he told me there was a serious growth issue with one of the twins and that I'd have to stop work immediately. Twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome was suspected, but so was intrauterine growth restriction. Either way, it didn't look good. Weekly scans followed and it turned out we had growth restriction, not twin-to-twin. It was a slight relief and we'll explain more about twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome on episode 5. Anyway, we became accustomed to the usual sounds the machines made as the babies were examined But at 24 weeks, those sounds were very different. The room went silent. At this stage, they estimated the girls weighed only about 400 grams each. I was quickly jabbed with a dose of corticosteroids and taken to a private room in the maternity ward and told to rest because in 24 hours, my babies would be delivered. I was visited by a team from the neonatal intensive care unit and the statistical chances of survival of both babies was explained. Not much soaked in, but I knew it wasn't great. It was also explained that in some cases following the steroid injection, the condition of the growth-restricted baby could stabilise and a follow-up scan would be conducted the following morning. When I was wheeled in for that follow-up scan, everyone was holding their breath. The words from the sonographer were such a sweet sound. It worked. Your babies won't be delivered today, she said. I spent the next week in hospital having daily scans and was allowed to go home if I promised not to do anything other than go to the hospital every second day for a scan. But just three weeks after I was released from hospital, those sounds coming out of the ultrasound machine changed again. But the sonographer, who turned out to be one of the professors on the gold team, turned around and said, It's time. We have to get those babies out now. The girls were so tiny when they were born. Asha weighed just 825 grams or 1.8 pounds and Bella was 1,075 grams, or 2.3 pounds. Asha had chronic lung disease and a minor heart problem, and they both suffered all the usual issues premature babies do. However, after 64 days in the NICU, the girls were well enough to come home. 
As you've heard, there are certain types of multiples that pose high risks during pregnancy. And then there are some types that are almost as straightforward as carrying two singletons at the same time. That's what hypnobirthing practitioner and birthing doula Elise Jamison from Soma Birth found out when she discovered she was expecting twins. My husband and I had been trying for a baby for a little while and um, for some reason this particular month I had a feeling very early, about five days after ovulation, that something had stuck. So I took my first ever pregnancy test and it had a very strong positive line straight away and the sort of weeks that followed I was starting to feel really, really unwell, really nauseous and I'd worked with a twin mum that year and she had said to me on one of my visits saying, oh, imagine if you ended up with twins next time. And that little comment kept on popping up into my brain. And um, sure enough, at around 12 weeks, I decided to head into the doctor and get a scan just to see what was going on because I felt so sick. But I kind of had a feeling that for whatever reason, there might have been two in there. And when I had my scan, sure enough, two little babies popped up on the monitor. So it wasn't really, it didn't come as a surprise. We don't have twins or anything in the family. So it was just kind of a random event. You know, I live in a, a sort of regional rural area. So when I went to my doctor and we knew that it was twins, they actually can't manage twins in this area. So I had some options to be referred off to more major hospitals in the city. It hit me for a bit of a curveball, even though I kind of had a feeling because I was hoping to prepare for a home birth this time around. But that was really out of the question, given, you know, the location that we live in. I also didn't want to have any scans this pregnancy. It was something I was just going to, you know, just wander through without it. But because I had that feeling and I was so unwell, deciding to have that scan and finding out there were two and then finding out that actually I can't have a home birth anymore, knowing that I was going to have to travel sort of up to two hours to have my babies. I guess there was some uncertainty with regard to all of that. My type of twins were DCDA, so they had their own placenta and own sac, so which is often thought to be the more straightforward type of twin pregnancy. Whether your pregnancy is straightforward or fraught with complications, Associate Professor Pennell insists it's important to be in the hands of people who are experienced with multiple births. I think that as a woman with a twin pregnancy, it is helpful to ask your doctor early on in the pregnancy what the type of placentation is. So what type of twins do you have? Because really, if there is good evidence on the early imaging that you have two versions of everything, so dichorionic, diamniotic twins, then that pregnancy almost always goes very smoothly. And to some extent, you can relax and you know, start getting yourself prepared for the joy that will happen when they're delivered. If you have a monochorionic twin pregnancy, then... I think that you should also know because you're going to need to make sure that you have got someone experienced in looking after that type of twins. You're going to make sure that you have very regular review and with good care, the outcomes are you know, generally very good. But it, it really is quite different having an identical twin pregnancy to a non-identical twin pregnancy. Thank you for joining me on Season 1, Episode 1, Part 1 of Double Happiness Multiplied. There are some great free downloads on the Double Happiness Multiplied website with diagrams that explain the types of multiples we've learned about in this episode. 
On part two of episode one, we'll explore higher order multiples. We hear from maternal fetal medicine specialist, Associate Professor Craig Pennell again, who explains the types of higher order multiples and what that means for your pregnancy. Mum of triplets, Laura Sarubin, talks of how she connected with other parents of multiples in an attempt to normalise her pregnancy as much as possible. And Janelle Snadden shares her story of trying for years to conceive a baby and after turning to IVF, she ended up with four. Until next time, I wish you double happiness multiplied. The only purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform and should not be used to diagnose any medical condition. It's no substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided on the understanding that it doesn't constitute medical or other professional advice or services. Instead, I encourage you to discuss your options with a healthcare provider who specialises in multiple births. Guests who speak on this podcast express their own opinions, experience and conclusions. Thank you for listening to Double Happiness Multiplied, the complete guide to enjoying your multiple pregnancy and building a happy and healthy family life. Remember to head over to doublehappinessmultiplied.com to get access to more great resources.